The following program is paid for by Busey Bank. It's time for Money Talk, your chance to call in and receive answers to all your financial questions, from investment management to planning for your retirement and beyond. The experts at BC Wealth Management are here to help, so you don't have to navigate these difficult financial decisions alone. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. Call in now, 356-9397. And now here is Money Talk. And good morning and welcome to Money Talk. I'm your host, Kurt Anderson, uh, with my distinguished co-host, Mr. Mark Wisniewski, uh, Executive Vice President and, and basically Market President for yep. UC Bank. So anything that happens in Champaign-Urbana, buck stops there, right? With yeah. you. And, of course, as always, we've got Aaron Sutton, Senior Vice President, uh, Chartered Financial Analyst with Busey Wealth Management. Aaron, welcome to the program. Yeah, great to be here. So, God, what a beautiful day. Oh, you know, yeah. Someday they're going to put an outdoor studio at this place. Oh. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> right. sit out. I, I don't care if it was on a picnic table sure. to be able to do it. It'd be, then it'll be <laughs> raining in those yeah. days that we show up, right? Yeah, we won't do that in we the wintertime either. But, Mark, what's going on with you? Oh, my gosh, Kurt. Uh, it's uh, it's that time of year. Students, uh, I think today is one of the final check-in days. My, my son works uh, for one of the leasing companies in town, and he said today, uh, you know, I had to get there at 7, probably won't leave to 7 tonight, just because it's the uh, last day for the kids to pick up their keys for their apartments. Yeah. So, yeah. and if you've driven around campus, you can see definitely... There's a, a lot of a lot of things going on. A lot more traffic. A lot more kids. I'm just amazed. And you know, I sat there because I had a, my son's car was in the shop yesterday. So I sat there and looked at some of these probably incoming freshmen, and I'm like, they look like little kids. kids. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh, just makes me feel old. Oh my gosh. And I'm sure our banks are busy right now a little bit more too with what's oh, going on. Oh, for sure. New yeah. accounts coming in and a lot of things going on. I know certainly my drive to the bank in Urbana is a little bit longer today than it was last week. So anyway. I know. That's why I said you enjoy the summer while you got it. Yeah. And now you're like, oh no, they're back. Well, speaking of enjoyment, I've enjoyed the markets over the last month, Aaron. You know, since the last show, it, things have uh, have improved. Do you want to talk a little bit about what's going to be going on in the last 30 days? Yeah, it's been really nice, Kurt. Uh, you're right. We've had quite a rebound uh, really over the last couple months. And so I've been doing a lot of client meetings recently, and it was really nice to see at least that three-month number get back into the positive territory. So still down year-to-date, but uh, we have rallied back quite a bit. Uh, as we talked last time, uh, it was two shows ago. Looks like marked the bottom of the market. Uh, On that, that would, date. <laughs> that date. It would have been around June 16th. Um, and so I ran the numbers. Uh, since that show, two shows ago, we're up about 15% just with the S&P 500. So like you said, we've had a really nice rally here just since our last show. So basically over the last month, we're up about 7%. Uh, now that being said, it was quite a sell-off before then. So unfortunately... Uh, we're still down in positive, uh, negative territory, I should say. Uh, still down about 9.5% year-to-date. So we've got back in the single digits, uh, but still well into negative territory for the year. I'm particularly happy because I typically tell my – I don't want to typically – I tell my clients when they're upset with these really quick declines like we've had this year mm-hmm. that that old physics law that for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. And typically those really swift falls are followed by swift rises. 
rather than those long gradual declines or long, or long gradual rises. Exactly. And it's, it's been proven true again here. It's, it bounced back pretty quick. Now, you're right. We're still down, but you're going the right direction. Yeah, to prove your point, you know, the quickest sell-off we had was back during the pandemic, uh, early 2020, one of the sharpest sell-offs we ever saw and one of the quickest rebounds. So, again, to your point. Uh, and then if you go back to the financial crisis, it was more of that slow burn where things just kind of progressively kept getting worse and worse over time. Took a you know probably over a year and a half that total decline and it took it a while to climb back. So yeah, a little bit longer than a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, way. But yeah. You're, you're the one out. I li- I remember, and I don't <laughs> know right. if you were born yet. 1987, and um, you know that's when the market went down over 20 percent in one day. October 19th. Is that the Black right. Monday? I still have the Black USA Monday. Today from the following morning of that in my office, <laughs> but by the end of the month it was positive. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, so believe that. So it was crazy. Or back up to where it was before it dropped. Yeah. What's that old saying that uh, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes? It so rhymes. yeah, there exactly. You go. So <laughs> I, I, there you go. I think we're seeing that. Okay. Uh, so all right. So you know, as I look across the economic news, uh, it's really kind of a mixed bag. Um, it's hard to kind of get a handle on, you know, these higher rates that we have now. Um, they're certainly having an effect. So we are getting some negative readings in certain areas of the economy, but other areas seem to be holding up pretty well. And I think really the big bright spot, uh, despite everything going on, is really uh, the employment situation. So we got a jobless claims reading today. That actually fell, actually went down. Uh, That was the first time in three weeks that we saw that number decline. That's kind of unusual if you're in a recession, right? That is exactly (laughs) right and something I want to talk about today. So continuing claims are still elevated, but Uh, What I've come across, uh, some economists now are starting to refer to this phenomenon as labor hoarding. And the thought being is that the labor market is so tight, it's been so difficult to find employees, that even though things are slowing down, employers are a little bit reluctant to lay off employees because they don't know if they can get them back. That makes a lot of sense. So this may be playing out a little bit differently than, say, past recessions or past slowdowns where typically... Uh, the first thing companies do is they want to cut expenses. The biggest expense a lot of times is their employees. Uh, so unfortunately, that's usually the trend we see as things slow down. The unemployment rate creeps up and we're in a recession. This is playing out a little differently this time. Like I said, despite having two negative quarters of GDP growth, the labor market's still very tight. We're still below 4% as far as our unemployment rate. And so I think this really, I think there is something to this kind of labor hoarding uh, phenomenon that yeah. we're seeing. No, I, I can attest to that. We've got a couple clients, too, is, you know, we review financials, sometimes quarterly, annually. But, we you know, we're like, hey, seems seems a little stressed. And their comment is exactly what you said. Skilled labor is hard to mm-hmm. find. So even though we don't have the jobs right now, we're not going to let these people go. We have to keep them for the anticipation is that when we get the jobs, will have it. Otherwise, it's tough to bid on stuff. Yeah, exactly. You'll really be behind the curve once things do improve. And, you know, they always do improve. So, you know, it's going to come back at some point. But, yeah, I think there is a big fear out there that uh, you want to be able to find these employees. And I get asked a lot, too, you know, really what is causing this labor shortage? We've talked about it a little bit, but I just want to kind of reiterate. Oh, good. Um, You know, a couple main factors is we saw a lot of early retirements uh, throughout the pandemic. And our immigration levels have been way down over the last couple of years. So I think, to me, what I've kind of seen, the data I've looked at, it's really those two main components. 
have kind of combined to create this uh, labor shortage that we're in now. Yeah. Yep. You know, and the sad thing is, even today, after we're kind of, I don't want to say the pandemic's passed by any stretch, but we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're in it for a long way here, that it, does, it seems like a, a, no couple of weeks goes by that uh, there's not another business in our community that's closing its doors because they can't find people to work there. Yeah. And that's really sad to see. It is. Yeah. Um, especially in the service industry, like you said, that's really been the hardest. I think yeah. what's happened is a lot of people that were in those service uh, industry jobs, well, there's new opportunities. And so they moved up to uh, maybe more full-time positions or a little higher paying jobs. And so, yeah, it's really kind of those entry-level jobs uh, where you're seeing the, the most strain. And, yeah, it's having a big impact uh, on really any company that, right. that's right. Yeah, dependent on them. So. Um, now, as far as other positive reports, uh, we've got a couple this week, really, from kind of corporate America, I would say. Uh, a couple of the large retailers reported. So uh, Walmart and Target came out with their earnings. Uh, in both cases, I would say they held up uh, kind of surprisingly well. Uh, we did have a profit warning from each of these guys, you know, a few months ago. Uh, but for this quarter, uh, they were able to kind of stabilize things, get their inventory under control, and so I actually turned in some decent quarters uh, and are really kind of holding their forecast for the year steady, uh, or in some cases, slightly raising their forecast. So Great. I think that kind of tells us right there, you know, those two companies combined account for a good gauge of consumer spending. Uh, and we're seeing the consumers hold up uh, fairly well despite everything going on. Uh, and then also just this morning uh, in the technology sector, uh, we had Cisco Systems, which is a a good, you know, large, well-diversified firm, a good gauge of kind of how, uh, you know, demand for uh, networking equipment, uh, security equipment's going. Uh, and they raised their guidance uh, just this morning. And one of the main things they cited, which I, again, thought was fascinating, is they're starting to see the supply chain start to ease up a little bit, uh, start to see those issues clear Great. out, uh, and they're able to get some of the chips they needed to fulfill orders. So, I thought that was really encouraging, uh, especially for the overall economy. This is something we've talked about, you know, for the past year or so, the supply chain. Uh, so it looks like things may be turning a, a little bit of a corner there as well. Well, I'd like to see that uh, supply chain get taken care of. I'm still waiting on the couch I bought the first week of January. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yes, way. <laughs> and I just, they just told us it could be four to six more weeks. A couch. Yeah, I don't think they're waiting on a semiconductor. For no, that. I don't think they're waiting. Really, this <laughs> isn't a chip you buy issue. Buy the couch online, or no, I, no, I didn't. I've shopped locally. There you so go. So there you go. Okay, good people. Right. So anyway, all right. Um, and then additionally, put this on the uh, kind of good side of the equation: uh, inflation. Uh, we got a reading there. It looks like that moderated a little bit uh, last month, and really saw a nice rally uh, when that number came out. And I think the big anticipation is. If that trend can continue, again, it's only a one-month trend so far, but we'll have to wait and see. But if it can continue, then I think the Fed can kind of ease off uh, the brake pedal a little bit uh, and maybe start dialing back their rate increases. Yeah. You know, We've got some 75 basis point increases last few times around. The thought being is now maybe it looks like next time it's going to be a 50 and then maybe a couple 25. Yeah. So hopefully that trend can hold, uh, and that should give some uh, comfort uh, as far as what the Fed actions might be going forward. Yeah. You know, Aaron, uh, recently I had a friend that went up to Chicago for the weekend, and so I asked him how it was, and he said, busy. He said, there is no recession in Chicago. Nice. And that was followed up by the next day, I was talking with somebody who had been through O'Hare, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And it'll be like any other airport. And, I, and, and he said, I travel for a living, and I have never, ever seen the, the airports as packed as they are, not even on Thanksgiving holiday. <laughs> he said it was insane of what's going on out there. So people are out there. They're spending money. They're traveling. They're shopping. They're eating out. I mean, you know, if you just see the grassroots stuff, it looks very, very positive. Absolutely. And, and I can attest to that. I was uh, looking at some hotel prices up in Chicago. Oh, I was thinking about yeah. going up for uh, Labor Day weekend. And yeah, two, $300 is back to, you know, right. hotel costs downtown Chicago. So I was kind of surprised by that. I was hoping prices would be a little cheaper, but no, they're back to, uh, I would no. say, kind of close to <laughs> peak levels. Yeah. Yep. Oh, gosh. Um, now, on the negative side of things, uh, it definitely looks like the housing market's slowing down. Uh, we've been getting some readings about that over the last couple months. Uh, so just this morning, we got a home sales report. report. Uh, that fell for actually the sixth straight month in a row. Um, so the, the turnover of housing uh, has slowed down. Now, when you look in the numbers, though, the average time that a home is on market is still about 14 days. So even though overall sales are slowing down, the turnover is actually pretty quick, meaning that there's just still very tight supply out there. Yeah. So I think we're seeing a little drop off on demand. But since supply is so tight, we're not seeing a big drop off in prices yet. Right. But um, what I've heard, yeah. though, Aaron, is you're not having that situation where 10 people are bidding up the price of a house. That's right. It's gotten a little more rational. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is how why they've gotten so high to begin with. Exactly. Because they judge somebody selling their house next based on what houses are selling for. And then, you know, it just keeps on going up. Yep, exactly. Um, and in addition to that, uh, I thought this was fascinating. Mortgage applications actually hit a 22-year low recently. Oh, so know. huge drop-off in mortgage applications. So I'm sure we're feeling that at Busey and yep. probably across all banks. Uh, but definitely a slowdown there yeah. uh, for housing demand. And that's a big deal because it's not just the, buy, the purchase and sale of the home because when you buy a home, what do you do? You buy the stuff to go in the home. and You, exactly. you buy paint or you do this. Right. And you do, you're doing furniture. all these things, your furniture and, you know, a garden tractor or whatever, you know. <laughs> and uh, so there's a lot of, you know, ancillary things that go into a home purchase. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, the one thing you said about all those ancillary purchases, sometimes people use their home equity lines, which is a great vehicle to do that, but a lot of them are tied to prime. When prime goes up, that affects your cost even yeah, more. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, speaking of rates, uh, real quick before our break, I just want to get this in because I think this is something that bears watching. So uh, if you look at the 10-year Treasury yield today, it's yielding about 2.87%. If you look at the two-year Treasury, it's yielding about 3.24%. So there's about a 40 basis point difference, meaning that you can get a better rate on a two-year bond than you can on a 10-year bond. That's that inverted yield curve that I'm sure some of our listeners have heard about. This is usually not a good sign uh, for the potential of a recession coming. So that's something that bears watching. This is a pretty decent spread we're now seeing between those two rates. So just something to keep an eye on uh, as we go forward. Got it. Well, thank you, Aaron, as always, bringing us up to date with the markets, interest rates, the economy. And so we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to Money Talk. The season for spring cleaning is here. Freshen up your finances with Busey. Review your budget, pay down debt, and get organized. With Bill Pay from Busey, see and pay all of your bills through eBank. Plus, the Busey mobile app puts your account at your fingertips. For additional resources to spring clean your finances, visit Busey.com or stop by one of our many convenient locations today. Busey. 
Your dream, our promise. Member FDIC. And welcome back to Money Talk. I'm your host, Kurt Anderson, with my co-host, Mark Wisniewski and Aaron Sutton. And I got to tell you, this is one of my highlights of the year. You know it. When we had this show, Mark. And that's when Steve Myers, the grand imperial potentate (laughs) of Busey Ag Services, is in the studio. Steve, welcome. It's great to be here, I think, at this point. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) No, seriously, it's always entertaining, if nothing else, when you're in the studio, Steve. So thanks very much for joining us today. Tell us about ag. What is going on in the ag world? Give us three or four things that our listeners would like to know about. Yeah, yeah. 30,000 feet, you know, uh, we're, we're approaching harvest. So here we are, m- mid-August. What's occupying our time in the, in the field, so to speak, is what is this crop going to yield, right, in the corn and soybean world? And, and, and that's big picture number one. Big picture number two. Uh, just like Aaron was talking about in the last segment, you know, what effect is, are, are these revisions in the Fed rate going to cause in the land market? You know, our core asset in the in the agricultural circles. Uh, that's number two. Number three is what's our input cost going to be? You know, we've talked a lot about inflationary pressures, and in the agricultural sector, are no different than than the broader markets. And inflationary pressures, i.e., diesel costs for transportation, uh, supply chains. Dis- disruptions are are present in the ag sector just like they are in the in the broader markets as well so you know three big big picture things right there and there been tremendous uh, inflation and in inputs Oh yeah, absolutely. So one of our key inputs is is nitrogen, for example. And and when we look back one year ago today, and I'll talk about it on a per pound basis. So so listeners don't remember this, but remember the perspective is we we want to apply roughly one pound of nitrogen to produce one bushel of corn, generally speaking. And that cost year over year not only doubled, but was like two and a half to three x today what it was just one year ago. And part of that is we rely on imported nitrogen, things that come up the, the, the Mississippi River from New Orleans and, and the pressures of what the Ukrainian conflict has caused, meaning when we have Russia, a key supplier of nitrogen, uh, uh, and just supply chain di- disruptions have caused that key component that would have been 35 to 40 cents per pound of N at a dollar to a dollar twenty uh, per per right. pound of in, meaning, said differently, eighty dollars an acre to two hundred plus dollars an acre uh, to get the same amount of nitrogen. And of course, corn hasn't gone up three x. It has not. Now we've we've been blessed, right? So right. Uh, you know, year over year, uh, uh, you know, corn prices that today for fall uh, delivery corn are somewhere in the mid five fifty range. Beans are somewhere in the mid thirteen range, and so we've seen some nice rallies. But but you're correct. It has not been, hey, if our expenses are up 2x, our corn prices aren't up 2x. That is a correct statement. So we see some shrinking bottom lines, uh, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, at the farm gate to, to farmers and landowners. So, so that's, you know, that's, that's stormy. And, and when Aaron was talking about, you know, when we're looking at two years out, of what maybe a recession, perhaps, perhaps those clouds, uh, those are the same kind of clouds, at least in terms of time frame that we look at from the ag sector as well. Looks yeah. good today, but 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 it, it's a little fuzzy in the future. Yeah, hmm. let's talk about farmland prices. Yeah, uh, and you know what I found interesting throughout this whole pandemic, and it continues to go on. We've got a lot of uh, clients or people in the community have, through this pandemic have chosen to sell their businesses. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they have property 
that goes along with those businesses. And they're looking to do a 1031 exchange or whatever so that they can minimize their capital gains tax on that. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many have looked to farmland towards that 1031 exchange. Are you seeing that? And and just give us an idea of what prices are going on. Yeah, yeah. So so the 1031 is a tool to defer, you know, your capital gains, the rise in your business's value. So, you know, the 1031s that we saw, say, in the mid-2000s, 2004, 5, 6, were based on explosive growth out of Indianapolis, Chicago, residential market, right? So what you're referring to today, Kurt, we still see, you know, when, when people are looking for a safe haven. So, you know, terribly biased, but but farmland as a part of a diverse portfolio is an excellent part of a diverse portfolio. So when when we say, okay, what can we invest these this this windfall or these windfall profits that we don't want to have taxed? You know, a 1031 is a great way to do it, but to see the explosive growth, uh, the 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 Chicago Fed uh, released uh, their July numbers in farmland year over year. From, from July 1 of 2021, up 22%. So, you know, when we look at that explosive growth in, in, in farmland prices, uh, does it keep pace, question mark, with what the ROI, what our return, what we can clip that coupon with every day? So, so that's yet to be seen. But, but when again, Kurt, when we go back to one year ago, to put it on a per acre basis in Champaign County, Illinois, we were looking at probably $14,000 an acre a year ago, August. And then it exploded to about sixteen, seventeen thousand. And then we've had some spikes of, for example, east of Urbana, Busey Farm Brokerage was fortunate to do a twenty thousand four hundred and a twenty thousand one hundred an acre. And then we see these these watershed moments. That's not the market. Those are outliers, oh. right? But but right. but but just sure. that twenty two percent rise and and I would say even specifically in East Central Illinois, Champaign County, maybe more like 30 to 32, 33% rise year over year in those values. Wow. So so incredibly explosive. But, but, but really to your point and to your question is safe haven, it's non-correlated to the stock market, right? So we can have a diversified portfolio right. by, by owning farmland. And again, I, I just think that real estate, and in this case, farmland real estate, is just an incredible part of a diverse portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the future for agriculture? I mean, what's I mean, I I mean, again, you and I know you know how I feel about it. I feel yeah. like, you know, they only met, you know, that the future is water and, and food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It used to be oil. Right. Natural gas. And and when you look down the road, you know, there, there's going to be a shortage of food. There's going to be a shortage of water. Uh, you know, it's got to be a good place to be. Yeah. Again, I, I, I always preach diversity, right? And I, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's a great place to be. And I think that, you know, when we look at staples, you know, when we think of lumber and some of these things that Aaron talks about in terms of what are the, what are the building blocks of our economy, you know, uh, keeping our people fed, right? So, when, you know, historically speaking, at least at a government level, 30,000 foot is, you know, we want to keep our people safe and we want to keep our people fed. Right. And, and or or we there's a mutiny, there's a revolt out there. Right. So so, you know, I think as a core business, as you know, it's certainly a great part, uh, a great 
thing to be a piece of because it's one of those staples of life. Now, it doesn't always have to be cows, sows, and plows, right? We have diversification even within our broader agriculture markets. What sector do you want to be in? Do you want to be in row crop agriculture, which is primarily what Champaign County is? Certainly the meats and, 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 and uh, the livestock markets, you know, as we go to different, uh, do you want to be in cotton or as we look at Mid-South fruit production? But again, the thought process is, is it's just a building block of, you know, Again, terribly biased, Kurt, but, but you know, it's the building block of everything. And, and even though, and we've talked about this, such a small percentage of our population is employed in this industry, uh, I, I, in a very complimentary way, always go to farmers and my landowners and say, you're, you're the one that starts it all. You, you, you are the creator of wealth in terms of you produce the raw material and then here we go, right? And, and it's just one of those staples, I feel. But, you know, Steve, I think we've learned a lesson over the last six months with Ukraine yeah. of how just one country halfway around the world can upset the whole balance, the food balance in the world. Right. And the needs like in Africa and places like that for, you know, wheat and things like that and how, you know, all of a sudden when it's gone like that, it's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it's – there's not a lot there. I, I loved Aaron's phrase labor hoarding in the last segment because, but it's food hoarding, right? Oh, so, yeah. so, you know, you going to trademark that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's, it's a great phrase because again, I, I think when you look at, for example, uh, Europe has some severe drought conditions this year. Right. So the European markets are very fragile in terms of commodity prices. Well, they were already fragile because of you know, heating uh, uh, oil and stuff coming from Russia. So you take a market that's fragile in the European Union, and then you throw some food insecurity into that, and then you get these violent price swings that go along with yeah. that. So, I, I, and again, so I think that, that when we look at how we, in, in Kurt, it was perfect because the last time I was here was really on the heels of the Ukrainian conflict mm -hmm. erupting, right. and we were talking about how do we get mostly small grains, wheat, oats, that, that Ukraine and Russia is well known for, what's going to happen? Well, in the last few weeks, some of those first freighters loaded with Ukrainian products on the ag side are just starting to be shipped out six months later, right? And the first load that left Ukraine got rejected by Lebanon, and, and then they had to move it down the road. Well, why did it get rejected? Yeah. Well, I don't. Was it quality because right. it sat on an ocean liner? For uh, not a liner, but a, 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 an ocean-going vessel. <laughs> yeah. Not a liner I've ever <laughs> yeah, been on. Yeah. Did it, you know, did, did it have weevils in it, or you know, it's. And, but but again, I think Mark was 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 alluding to those supply chain disruptions that that affect all of us in in the in the broader markets are certainly as sensitive or even more sensitive when we talk about food security or insecurity. Oh, so yeah. very fragile, very fragile yeah. in, in, in those supply chains. Well, yeah, when you said hoarding too, I mean, I I know more people because of the pandemic and everything. You go down in their basement, they got a separate room yeah. full of paper <laughs> products, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Just because they're afraid that we're gonna be reached that, you know, point again yeah. where we don't have it. So yeah. 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 So I think when we look at those markets, the commodity markets for us, you know, we, we see some of those same violent moves, you know. Uh, uh it's it's not a you know, moves that because I'm an older person, it's you know, moves we used to get a nickel move in corn and that was the talk of the town. Well, you get a 20 cent move in corn today and it barely raises an eyebrow. So, you know, we get a little kind of like the stock market. Yeah, it, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, maybe we've hardened off ourselves to to some of that, but but that volatility, and that's that's what we talk a lot about in agriculture. What's the volatility? 
volatility. How do we offset risk for our clients? That's what we're talking about. How do we shift that risk, you know, uh, around to not being so exposed? And again, as I said, diversity is part of that, and and just you know, doing some dollar cost averaging, just just like what we would do in the broader markets. Steve, really quickly, because you know, I grew up in East Central Illinois, and you could put what I really knew about agriculture in a thimble. Okay, until I really met you, mm-hmm. and we've worked together for a number of years. I'm always fascinated about this part of Busey and Busey Ag Services. You know, with the next minute or so we've got left, just share with our listeners how you help people that are interested in agriculture. Yeah. So, you know, Busey Ag Services, a, a, a division of First Busey Corporation, it, we're, we're a three-legged stool, right? So so our core business, Kurt, uh, as you well know, is, is farm management. And in, in my 20-second elevator speech has always and will always be this. You know, y- if you own an apartment building and you don't have the time to manage that apartment building or the expertise, you hire an apartment building manager. Busey Ag Services is an apartment building manager for dirt. We work for people who, A, don't have the time to manage that farmland asset or the expertise to manage that farmland asset. And that's our core business. And and we get to work with some of the absolute finest people in the world in terms of landowners and farmers, both folks that are based right here out of Champaign and throughout uh, the United States and, frankly, abroad as well. Uh, So that's our core business. So So you don't have to be a farmer to to be involved in agriculture. Oh my gosh, no. Oh yeah. my gosh. You know, and, and, and again, I think that, uh, you know, some of the people who have come new to, to purchasing farmland, it's not a part of their, of their history, if you will. Again, you know, as we talk about that diversification of portfolio, but it's, it's kind of a fun asset. And, 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 and we've talked about, I think on this show before, that people don't hug their Walmart stock per se, <laughs> but the passion that they have right. about owning an 80 acres or a 40 acres right. or, right. or 160 acres. And it doesn't always have to come from grandma and grandpa to do that because it's tangible. It's, it's one of the great things about the asset class. It's tangible. But it's it's also fun. You can drive out, look at it, yeah, all that kind of stuff. uh, So for our listeners, if you want an investment, you can hug. Yeah. Yeah. Farmland is the way to do it. Amen. So, Amen. So. I'm ch- and again, I'm terribly biased, but but there's nothing better. Shocking. Uh, Absolutely hug shocking. Or, <laughs> okay. Hug or eat the product. I yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Eat their yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, Steve Myers, thank you so much for being here <laughs> yep. today. Any questions ever, call Steve at Busey Ag Services. He's fantastic. Mark, keep the bank going through new student week and our Will new do. semester here. Aaron? Keep that market going up so next month we've got better news to share. Sounds good. Okay. And thank you all for listening to Money Talk. You're listening to News Talk 1400 WDWS in Champaign-Urbana. Thank you for listening to Money Talk. Tune in the third Thursday of every month at 1030 a.m. for more Money Talk. Brought to you by Busey Wealth Management. Right here on News Talk 1400 WDWS.